morning, Converge Church. Come on, everybody on your feet. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let's rejoice and be glad in it. Are you glad to be here this morning? Feel free to clap. Feel free to raise your hands. Hey. 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 Come on, watch how to sing this with us. Here we go. And we will not be moved Jesus, you are here
lift up the name of our King. How many know that praise is what we do? Are you a praiser? Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. The Word of God says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. So if you're a praiser, I just want to see you moving. Have freedom in Jesus today. Oh, God. 
We give you the glory this morning. You are so worthy. Hallelujah. The Spirit of the Lord is here. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Thank you, Jesus. We give you the glory right now, oh God. We thank you for being more than able. When did I start to forget all of the great things you did? When did I throw away faith for the impossible? And how did I start to believe that you weren't sufficient for me? Why do I talk myself out of seeing miracles? Yeah, yeah. Cause you are more than able. He's gonna 
standards. Hallelujah. How many know that when we begin to lift up the name of Jesus all on one accord, we can set an atmosphere for miracles, signs, and wonders to happen in this room. Hallelujah. So come on, everybody, all on one accord, just say you are more than Yeah, that's right. Come on, sing it to him. Sing it to him. Come on, get that thing on your mind that you've been waiting on him to do. And declare this this morning, say it. Jesus, breathe on us, Jesus. 
We need you today. I don't know about y'all, but I need them. Oh, God, let your river of living water flow in this house today, oh, God. We need to be delivered and set free, oh, God. In the mighty name of Jesus, Father, we will forever give your name all of the glory. All of the glory. All of the glory belongs to you, oh, God. All of the honor. All of the praise, Father, we give it to you this morning. We pour it out, oh God. We pour out, oh God, so you can refill us, oh God, with everything that we need. In the name of Jesus, amen. 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 Good morning. Good morning. Go ahead and have a seat if you can, if you choose to. Good morning. We are so happy to see each of you, um, especially on what can be a rainy and gloomy day. We have some excuses just to roll over and stay in bed. We are so happy that you made the decision to come out and join us. There are plenty of churches in our area. We hope that you are blessed by joining us here at Converge this morning. And a special shout out to our V family online. We want to say hello and welcome to you too. If it's your first time here with us, welcome, a special welcome to you. We would love to meet you after the service. Our pastors will be out in the Welcome Center and our guest services team will be out with gifts. You'll see us with bags, little teal um, tissue paper. We'd love to give you one. It's just our way of saying thank you for joining us. Also, if you're new or haven't started following us yet, please follow us on social media at We Are Converge. That is how you will stay up to date with all of the details that I'm about to give you with the dates and times and any changes and more details that we have. Um, our social media um, outlets are how we will communicate those to you. Also, if you are a student in the room, middle school, high school student, and you missed the memo or you are new and did not know that we have the students meeting back in The Verge every second and fourth Sundays. Again, if you're new and you didn't realize that, feel free to raise your hand, go out. One of the ushers, the ushers can take you to The Verge. But our students meet every second and fourth Sunday of the month out in The Verge. We are having life-giving ministry to these students. I said it last week, I'll say it again. Sometimes it is difficult to engage the youth outside of the screen, but they're manage, managing to do it back there in our student ministry. They're having a great time. They're learning about God. Have your students come and bring their friends, neighbors. Uh, we'd love to see you there. And we are also, please save the dates on a couple of these for my note takers. We will have our next Converge Net, Converge Net lunch on July 16th. It'll be following the service at noon. If you don't know what Converge Net is, it's our little network here at Converge. So if you are a professional in the marketplace or you are looking to join the marketplace, entrepreneurs, executives, we have such a blend of talent here in this room. We are joining together. Uh, we're learning about things, sharing best practices. I went to the last one and it was such a blessing and so cool to hear about all of the things that are going on within Converge out there in the marketplace. So we'd love for you to connect with us. Make sure to sign up. We have a QR code or in our emails we have a link. Um, it is $15 for lunch. We just want to make sure we have enough lunches ordered. So please, please, very soon go ahead and register so we have that. If you need childcare, we will be providing that for you. So we will also have that available again July 16th. Also for my note takers, note down August 5th. That is a Saturday, not a Sunday. August 5th, we are partnering with Above All Things to um, pack and load backpacks and distribute backpacks to those in our community that are underserved. We want to make sure our students are going back to school feeling confident that they have the stuff ready for an awesome school year. It was such a blessing every year that we've done it, but we'd love for you to join us. The actual backpack delivery will start at 11, but we really, really would love you to join us beforehand for setup, for stuffing the backpacks, delivering, tear down. So we would love you to volunteer to join us for that. 
And that is it from me. And next we'll have Pastor Wendy for the Blessed Life segment. Thank you, Cassie. Now, I know some of you are so disappointed because usually Pastor Jesse is here. So let me see if I could do him justice. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. All right. Is the Lord good? <laughs> so I hope Pastor Jesse gets a chance to see this. We do miss him dearly. Miss Pat, his wife, lost her uncle. So they went back to Alabama uh, to, for those homegoing services. So we do miss them. When you think about it this week, if you could lift them up in prayer. But this is our blessed life service. This is the part of the service. So everybody say, I'm blessed. If you're sitting in the room, understand that blessing does not come in material things. Proverbs 10:22 says, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and adds no sorrow to it. That is not in material things. It means being blessed, being alive, being able to have a mind to call on the name of Jesus. You are blessed. And I'm going to piggyback off of what Cassie just told us about the backpacks as we prepare to give our tithes and offering. You have an awesome opportunity to partner with us and the ministry above all things as we prepare for the backpack to school drive. Uh, 15 inch backpacks are $4.95. So that, those orders will go out. We are looking to purchase 500 backpacks this year. They're $4.95 and that comes with everything included. And 17 inch backpacks, which are usually for our middle school and high schoolers, those are $7 each. So if you want to add as a part of your offering to say, hey, I want to give toward purchasing those 500 backpacks, you can just make a note either on your envelope if you're in person or you can make a note um, in the, the, the cash app. The, the, uh, oh, you can put it under missions. You don't have to have a note or you could put backpack. It'll all work out. I usually give online, and so I don't know how that works through the app. That's how, how I give. So anyway, you can give to us um, that way. I wanted to just point you to a scripture. I did not give this to you, team, but as I was praying about the offering segment, I found a word in Psalm 4 and 5, and it says, Give your sacrifices unto the Lord and then trust him. So we're not asking you to give up your rent money or, you know, we never haggle you at offering time. But for those of you that may be new to faith or even new to giving, sometimes you're like, okay, do, do I give an offering or do I buy Starbucks? Guess what? We grow into this grace of giving. You can actually do both. You can give where you are cheerfully, which is not going to interrupt your, 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 your week. You might need that Starbucks. That's some, sometimes that's just where we are. Just give where you are, but then trust God. Don't give and say, oh, I've got my offerings. I've got tithing, and now I've got the backpacks. What am I going to do? Mm -mm, mm -mm. Give what you can give and trust God to give you more. And it, there was a time when Pastor Ray, I remember one time we emptied out three bank accounts, and I don't even know if it was $5 in total. And I'm not joking. Remember that we were down at Dr. Ivy Hilliard's church and we gave everything that we had for moments like this. We were giving. We had to learn some financial responsibility, but we were giving in faith, not for the in the moment time, but for the promise of God. And so if that is where you are, give what you can give. Give cheerfully. You never give your tithes 
to anything other than to the Lord. That is the untouchable. Offerings are the extra that you can give. And so you pay your tithe not to do anything. God's going to take care of us. Y'all sitting in the building, y'all already know the miracle that's on Converge. So that's why we don't have to twist your arm. But for your life to be blessed, honor the Lord with your first fruits. In my young 20s, I'm telling you, Rob, I just, I just had this thing about the mall. I just figured as long as I had a job in the mall, all was well. That was the blessing of the Lord. But I was very irresponsible with my finances. And I went to Ben Hill United Methodist Church in Atlanta, Georgia at the time. And I was teaching school. When I got paid, I would have to go straight from my job with my checkbook straight to the church to give my tithe. Because if I didn't have that discipline, I was going to give. Y'all remember, ladies, casual corner? Oh, yes. Casual Corner had these nice turtle heel shoes with the matching belt. And I would just be at the mall every weekend because I was single and you had not come into my life yet. So I was filling my time in holy ways. Anyway, you have to do what you need to do in order to honor God. And when you do those sacrifices that way, guess what? It doesn't, it's not so hard after a little while. So we just wanted to give you a little lesson. You know, I'm a, a teacher, but there are several ways that you can give here at Converge. If you are right here in the house and you need an offering, if you could please raise your hand and one of our ushers that is in the aisle can give you an offering. You can also text GIVE to 77977 and give your dollar amount. We are also on Cash App at dollar sign Converge Church. We're with Zelle as well. And you would the email address you would use is accounting at converge.com. And you can give online either through our app or through our website. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for an opportunity to continue in worship, to continue to show you honor through our giving. And Lord, we don't even ask you for anything right now. We just say thank you. You've been so good to Converge Church. You've been so good to us, and we acknowledge that in this moment. And because of your goodness, for those that give, Lord, I thank you that you will do the exceedingly abundantly above and beyond, not just in material ways, but in health, in relationships, in making our community safe and providing for our children through this, our children through the backpack drive. Lord, you're just so wonderful, so worthy to be praised. We thank you for what you've given us, and now we give it back to you in portion. We love you so much, Jesus. It is in your precious name we pray. Amen. Enjoy the rest of service. Converge Nation, and thank you so much for worshiping with us this morning. Yeah, yeah, I feel uh, a little bit of excitement from this section right here, the polite golf clap. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Um, we're so glad you chose to join us this morning for our Converge Live worship.
experience. We know that you have a choice in where you can worship, and the fact that you're here means a lot to us. We trust that you'll experience the love of God and community over the next few minutes, or we hope that you've already experienced that when you crossed the threshold of our campus and drove in. I believe this is week eight. For some reason, I'm vacillating between week seven and week eight. I think I've lost count of our current sermon series that we're calling Fruition. Uh, We've been unpacking, exegeting Galatians chapter 5, beginning at verse 16. We're learning what it looks like to walk in the Spirit and what it looks like to bear fruit, bear the fruit of the Spirit. Our anchor text for the series has been Galatians chapter 5. We'll pick up where we left off, but before we do that, I'm going to pray and we'll dive into God's Word together. Are you ready? Let's do that. Father, we love you. We honor you. We thank you, Lord, for this day that you have made. Lord, we choose to rejoice and be glad in it. And this morning, God, we approach your word with reverence and great humility. Open our eyes that we might behold wondrous things from your word. And Lord, we ask that you would make us doers of your word, not hearers only. For it is in the doing of your word that our lives are transformed from the inside out. We give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. Do your name. And everyone said, amen and amen. Turn with me to our anchor text, which is Galatians chapter 5. We'll begin reading at verse number 16. Do we have that uh, from the Passion Translation? Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 from the Passion uh, Translation. Uh, We can put that on the screen if we have it. If we don't, I'll begin reading in uh, Galatians chapter 5. Uh, verse 16 from the New King James Version, which is my preferred translation of Scripture. And uh, we'll start there uh, while the team is pulling up the Passion Translation. Notice the words of Paul to the church in Galatia. He said, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts after the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so they do not do the things that you wish. But, come on, conjunction, junction, what is your function? But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. They are obvious. They are undeniable. I think I shared this early on in the series that a lot of what people call judgment, when people say, don't judge me, what they're really doing is they're inspecting fruit. Amen? Jesus said it this way, you will know them by their fruit. So you can examine and observe someone's life, and by the fruit they bear, you can identify what kind of tree it is. So somebody can see the fruit of your life, And name the fruit of your life, and that is not judgment. They are identifying the works of the flesh, which the Scripture says are evident, obvious, undeniable. Paul goes on to write, uh, to give us this short list, uh, by no means exhaustive, beginning at verse 19. He says, now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, uh, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, witchcraft, hatred, contentions, oh boy, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions and heresies, even envy, murders, drunkenness, 
revelries. And then he says, and the like, meaning this list is by no means exhaustive. He's giving us a short list of what it looks like to manifest the works of the flesh. When we are driven by our carnal nature and our lives give expression to the desires of our flesh, what we want, a human-driven agenda, human autonomy, not an agenda, in, agenda informed and driven by the Spirit of God. And he says, just as I also told you in time past that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But there's good news in verse 22. He says that you have an option. And the option is you can choose to fulfill the works of the flesh or to bear the fruit of the Spirit. Notice the distinction in those two words. Works of the flesh, fruit of the Spirit. We express the fruit of the Spirit when we yield to the work of the Spirit in our lives, and when we yield to the work of God in our lives, the natural extension is that we will bear what is called the fruit of the Spirit. We don't have to work to do it. It is a sweatless, effortless exchange where we decrease and God increases in us. And the more we yield to Him, the more the fruit of the Spirit of God who indwells us finds expression. We said early on in the series that God is looking for a host. And for those of you who are fans of comic books, you know about Venom, right? It's a symbiote, symbiote, whatever it's called. A symbiote. And all the symbiote needs is a host. But ultimately, the desire of the symbiote is to not only have a place where it can abide, ultimately it wants to take over. The same is true of Holy Spirit. He doesn't only want a host where he can abide. Ultimately, he wants us to yield to our lives to him, to his unction, to his direction, to such a degree that all that's left is him. John the Baptist said this concerning Jesus in John 3 and 30. He said, from this day forward, I must decrease and he must increase. Someone has said it this way, all of me, none of him. Some of me some of him, none of me, all of him. And that's where God wants us to live. And when we make that choice, that intentional daily decision to yield to God, we will begin to express and give, um, give room to the Holy Spirit to help us live out these nine virtues. Here they are. Paul writes in verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is first love, then joy, peace, long-suffering or patience, kindness. Somebody say kindness. That's where we're going to land today. Kindness. The ability to be kind to others is a result of the work of the Spirit in our lives. Kindness. Uh, the list goes on with goodness and faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such, there is no law. Now, if I remember correctly, we've already covered love, we've covered joy, we've covered peace, and we've covered 
patience. Uh, we covered gentleness, and what remains is kindness, faithfulness, and self-control. Uh, today we're going to talk about kindness, and if I were to title today's sermon, it would simply be this, the law, the law of kindness, the law of kindness. Now, to level set expectations and uh, so that we have a singular focus in terms of what kindness is, here's our working definition, and we're going to approach the subject, the idea, this thought, this practice, this principle of kindness from this vantage point. Uh, kindness is simply defined as the quality of being friendly, of being generous, I love this one, and being considerate. I think that's something that's lost in our culture today because we live in a very me self centered culture. And when you are the focus of all your decisions, when you are the focus, the singular focus of your agenda, it becomes very difficult to think about how your decisions will impact others. Because the ultimate and the primary consideration you have is yourself. And how this impacts you and you alone, and it leaves very little room for you to be kind to others. It leaves very little room for you to be friendly. It leaves very little room for you to be generous, because as long as you're okay, and as long as you're taken care of, who cares about what anybody else is experiencing? Yet the work of the Spirit of God within us prompts us to move away from a self-centered agenda, from selfish ambition, to truly becoming others-centered. Do I need to switch my mic? I'm, I hear a little bit of distortion. Or is it just me? It's just me. It's, it's good. There's a little bit of this. I'm peeking a little bit. Maybe you can roll back the gain a little bit because I think I'm going to be loud this morning. Come on, somebody. I feel a little preach coming on this morning, Jesus. Yeah, I think it's me. Yeah, yeah, I feel it. I feel it coming on. Kindness. Glory to God. So here it is. Here it is. Um, a few thoughts about kindness and why kindness is so important even though it's something we rarely see in our world. In fact, I think it should be one of the things that the church is known for. That when people think of you and they think of me as a Christ follower, when they think about the church of Jesus Christ, I think one of the words that should define us is kindness. Uh, no, notice, notice the words of this particular individual who said, Everyone you meet is fighting a battle. Everyone you meet is fighting a battle you know nothing about. So be kind always. These are the words of Robin Williams, the late Robin Williams, and may his soul rest in peace. It's a guy who had the ability to make millions of people laugh yet battled his internal demons of not feeling like he was enough. Made everybody else laugh. Yet he understood the importance of kindness because he was fighting battles that no one knew about. 
And the problem with us is sometimes we have an expectation of our strong friends. We expect them to always be there for us. We expect them to have their world together. And we have no idea the private battles and the private struggles ultimately that took Robin Williams' life at his own hand. What if your singular act of kindness today to somebody who's having a private battle, a private struggle you know nothing about, is the very thing that could ultimately save their life? And so in the words of Robert Williams, he says, always be kind. Because there's someone you might meet, like the waitress who messed up your order. And you sent your food back for the fourth time. And you had no idea the battle she was having, the private struggle. And wouldn't even leave a tip because of how bad the service was. When Pastor Wendy and I were in Bible college, a lot of uh, uh, our fellow students worked in restaurants because they had a flexible enough schedule that would allow them to work outside of school hours. And church folk had the reputation for being the worst and the rudest and the least generous. And they had no idea that most of my fellow students were living off of ramen noodles and hamburger helper. Private struggles they knew nothing about. But when you're self-absorbed and self-centered, no one else matters, eh? Yet we as the church should be the opposite of that, the antithesis of that. And something that we should be identified and known for is our kindness, our generosity, and our consideration of others. I love what Maya Angelou said. She said, you know, it takes courage to be kind. Because it requires walking a mile in somebody else's shoes. <sighs> I want to go somewhere with this, but I'm going to stay focused this morning. <laughs> Thank you, J.D. But Aesop said it this way. He said, no act of kindness, no matter how small, is ever wasted. Now, I just want you to let that sink in for a second. Uh, no act of kindness, no matter how small, is ever wasted. For those of you who have been around Converge Church for a while, you've heard my story, a little bit of my story, coming from Liberia. Uh, I come from a family of... Uh, politicians, four generations of politicians, and at the height of the Liberian Civil War, my brother and I were separated from my parents, and we were trapped behind rebel lines. I was 18 at the time, and my brother was 20. And I've, I've got to give you the cliff notes and edit the notes. 
But we were in a part of the country trying to get across the border into Sierra Leone, and our friends Desmond and Mariah Scott are here. They're from Sierra Leone. Sierra Leone became home for three years. But before we got across the border into Sierra Leone, we were trapped behind rebel lines, and uh, my brother and I were identified and, and pulled out of the line and thrown into this makeshift cell. It was an old abandoned uh, gas station. And they, they threw us in this building, and that's where the rebels, they were using that sort of as their command center. And they threw us into this room, and it was the middle of the day, but this room was pitch dark. There were no windows. <clears throat> there was a guy in the room who had been beaten mercilessly, and he had been um, uh, bound with ropes. It was a, a method uh, of, of constraint that the rebels had learned in Libya, because most of them trained in Libya, where they would tie you elbow to elbow, and then they would bend your body where your heels touch your elbow. And most people who came out of what was called the tabe uh, uh, never regained activity in their limbs. Uh, we're sitting in this room, and it's, it's filled, I mean, it's dark, and outside there's this commotion. And uh, uh, after about 30 minutes or so, in fact, in that moment, at 18 years old and my brother at 20, we said our goodbyes. I'm over 30 years removed from it, but it's still very real to me. After about 30 minutes, there's this commotion outside, and, 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 then, and then we hear there was, there was this latch and a padlock on the door, and, and we could hear somebody unlock the door, the padlock, and, and, and pull the latch back, and, 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 and the young man uh, uh, escorted us and presented us to uh, one of the rebels uh, who outranked all the other rebels. He must have been in about, in about his mid-20s. And as we're standing in front of this young man, he says to us, do you know who I am? And my brother and I said, no. He said, my name is Karika. And that was the unique thing about the rebels, right? They, they, would, they would assume all these names. And in the early 90s, Karika was this huge Brazilian soccer star. And he said, my name is Karika. So some of the rebels, you know, they had names like Rambo and Schwarzenegger and Chuck Norris. And, and uh, yeah. And they would wear dresses and wigs and. And the painful thing about it is that these were child soldiers. Uh, all, the chil all the young men and women who had been conscripted into the National Patriotic Force were from, in this part of the country, were from my hometown. They knew exactly who we were. This young man brings, they bring us to this, this guy in his mid-20s, and he said, do you know who I am? I said, no, sir. He said, my name is Karika. And he begins to tell us this story. He said, when I would walk past your home, because we had a long driveway, he said, I would walk past your home with my mom when I was a young boy. And he said, my mom would have this, this, this pan on her head because in West Africa, that's how we carry things. We carry our babies on our backs and we carry loads on our heads. And he said, my, my mom would walk past your house with this long driveway and this gate and, and we would be making our way to market. And your mom, who at the time was the wife of a senator, would stop and talk to my mom. And he said he didn't only, she didn't only stop and talk to my mom, she stopped and talked to my mom in Gribble. And to put that in perspective, I come from Liberia, and that's people like, are you sure you're from Africa? And how come your name Ray Harmon, player? <laughs> it's like, yo, bro, that's kind of sus. Shouldn't your name be something like Hakuna Matata or something like that? <laughs> Hakuna. Matata. 
So Liberia was founded by freedmen who came from the U.S. and went back to Liberia. And so I went to school with guys named Smith and Williams and Jackson because they were freedmen who came to Liberia. The name Harmon just simply means, man, at some point there were family members who were here and chose to go back to Africa. And so we have indigenous Liberians in Liberia, and then we have what they call Americo-Liberians. I would be considered an Americo-Liberian. So long story short, this young man says, I would walk past your house, and he said, I still remember one day I'd had nothing to eat all day. And your mom reached into this pan on my mom's head and took out an orange, and she had some candy and she gave it to me. He said, in fact, that day was the only, that was the only meal that I had. He said, because of your mom's kindness to me, I will let you and your brother go. As my brother, and I think my brother Josh is watching because he watches every Sunday from Columbus, Ohio. As Josh and I walked away from this makeshift uh, a, a checkpoint, this abandoned gas station, and, and got back on the main highway. There was a convoy of about three SUVs coming with RPGs and AK-47s hanging out the window because the young men who, had, who were holding us were holding us until this guy named Oliver Varney, who was the commanding officer, came to execute us. What am I saying? What I'm saying is... There was a 26-year-old man who had the ability and the authority not only to, to hold us, but if he wanted to, to execute us. And my mom's random act of kindness. He was 26, but he remembers that when he was a boy, he would walk past our house. And my mom's singular act of kindness, listen to me, is the reason I'm still alive today. She, yeah, she had no idea, listen to me, that taking an orange out of a pan would save her son's lives 15, 20 years later. You have no idea how in the words of Aesop, that no act of kindness, no matter how small, is ever wasted. It has changed the way I interact with people because I know that I am alive today because somebody chose to pay it forward. A random act of kindness. Listen to me. Be careful how you treat the people you meet on your way up. Because they might be the same people you meet on your way down. Listen to me. They might be the same people you meet on your way down. I don't wish that on anybody that you would come down. But they might be the same people you meet in your hard place, in your difficult place, in your night season. Let me tell you something. You are not invincible. I want you to, I don't know why I'm saying that. You are not invincible. 
One misstep and one mistake can radically alter the rest of your life. And you better live your life in such a way that people will remember your kindness. Unlike, unlike Nabal, and we're about to read about Nabal, and, and I talked about him a little bit uh, when we did our Father's Day message. And as we talk about the law of kindness, I want to highlight not Nabal, but I want to talk about his wife, Abigail. And then I'm going to let y'all go. Can I just speak from my heart this morning? Kindness, Matt. I'm telling you. People are fighting private battles you know nothing about. So be kind. Be kind, always. Listen, not just for you, but even your children after you. Because somebody might remember something you did. And your children benefit from it. Listen to me, I am still alive today because of an orange. Uh, so, so, so here we are in 1 Samuel, and we'll begin reading at, at verse number 1. 1 Samuel chapter 25, I'm sorry. We'll begin reading at verse number 1. 1 Samuel 25, verse 1. It said, now there was a man in Moan whose business was in Carmel, and the man was very rich. He had 3,000 sheep, and he had 1,000 goats, and he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. And the name of the man was Nabal, or Nabal, which means fool. Interesting. And the name of his wife was Abigail. And she was a woman of good understanding and beautiful appearance. Good understanding. She was a woman of wisdom. She was a woman of insight. And Abigail was fine. Come on, somebody. She was a woman of good understanding and beautiful in appearance. But... The man was harsh, and he was evil in his doings. Uh, Marcus, when I was reading the text, it just, how did that happen? How, how do you get a, a woman who's got good sense? Hooked up with a joker like Nabal. Fool. Harsh and evil. Mm, I'm going to work this today. I, I think I'm going to give you all some rules for surviving a hostile environment. Hey, if you're an Abigail and you hooked up to a Nabal, hey, you might want to tune in. Yeah, yeah, get that frequency real good. Dial that thing in. You don't want no static on this message. How do you survive a hostile environment? A woman who was beautiful on the outside, beautiful on the inside. A woman with good understanding. 
And then you're unequally yoked to a harsh man who is evil in all his doings. May I submit to you that it's safe to say that Abigail finds herself in this situation not by choice, but by coercion, not by her decision, but by convenience. Because in Bible times, most marriages were arranged. And those marriages were arranged for convenience and for protection. Not just between families, but in between entire tribes. Where a king of one tribe would bring his son, and the king of another tribe would bring his daughter, and they would enter a covenant between their two families, but also their two tribes and their two nations, meaning because your son is married to my daughter, you ain't never going to raise a hand against my people. It's the reason that French royalty married British royalty in medieval times because they would not wage war against each other because their families were now connected. And not a, a raw deal, trying to maintain your composure in circumstances not of your own making. Here she is. In fact, when I was reading the text, I just said, man, this is an odd couple. And I said to myself, well, this isn't really unusual. And I started to think about some of the odd couples that we've seen over the years. Y'all ready for this? Y'all ready for this? I, I think the production team is going to help me out. Uh, let's see odd couple number one. Let's see odd couple number one. Uh, Y'all remember this right here? Uh, Julia Roberts and Lyle Lovett. Uh, she was 25 at the time, and he was 35. And most people say, eh, how did that happen? Some of y'all thinking that in the audience right now. Uh, uh, odd couple number two. Let's see odd couple number two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, that was another odd couple because uh, that's Ashton and Demi. And, 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 and she was 40. Did I just hear one of the ladies say, did I, hear, did, I, did I hear that come from the audience? Wow. I thought I heard a, wow, came from somewhere in here. Y'all might want to get past the wedding so she can reel me in. <laughs> uh, odd couple number three. Odd couple number three. Y'all remember Billy Bob? Billy Bob and Angelina Jolie? Yeah, 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 yeah. And then who else? Who else do we have? Oh, Lord Jesus. I, I knew I would get in trouble for this. I, I knew I would get in trouble for this because I know we got the beehive in the room and, and y'all love Beyonce. But uh, in my estimation, that is an odd couple. Now, just to put it in perspective, now, for real, all the ladies, <laughs> that's my answer, right? There it is. Odd couple, odd couple. I think we got one more, one more. Yeah, Michael, Michael and Lisa Marie, and, and here's our final uh, odd couple. So, so, um, uh, yeah. And that's what people thought, that's what people thought when they saw Nabal, and Abigail, a harsh man, a kind wife. And so I'll just tell you what happens next, because they're having this big feast, and, and Nabal is shearing the sheep, which was a big celebration, and it was a time to really be generous to others. Now, before that, David had protected 
Nabal's entire flock. When they were out in the wilderness and they were out grazing, David and his men protected what belonged to Nabal. And it was for, when it was time for them to shear the sheep, they took them back, and they're having this big festival. So David, in his mind, says, you know what? I've been kind. I've been generous to, to Nabal. He's going to return the favor because at this time, David and his fighting men are fugitives from Saul. David is on the run. He's been in the wilderness. He's shown this act of kindness uh, to Nabal and his men, and he expects kindness in return. Can I pump the brakes there for a second and just say this? Uh, it's, 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 it's um, I guess, acceptable um, to have an expectation of reciprocity. If I do something kind to you, it's reasonable. It's a reasonable expectation that you will do something kind in return. But may I submit to you that when we do our acts of kindness and we're generous and kind to people and we expect something in return, guess what? You have created a debt. Isn't that what we do? Yo, man, you, you owe me one. There is an expectation of reciprocity that if I'm kind to you, you'll be kind back to me. And really, at face value, that seems reasonable. But what we do when we expect the same thing in return from somebody is we have created a debt. Now, when you read Scripture, it never says that you will reap where you've sown. What it does say is that you will reap what you sow. Meaning our expectation is not always, shouldn't always be reciprocity. Where we've sown. Even though that's a reasonable expectation. Because when it doesn't happen, you hold people to that debt. Yet God said, if you will trust me and sow, you will not reap, you will not reap, always reap where you've sown, but you will always reap what you've sown. I understand what I'm saying? That's one of the mistakes we make. And we walk away from situations and circumstances and relationships disappointed because some of the people that we have invested in do not have the capacity for reciprocity. Yet God promises that no kind act you do will go unrewarded because you may not get it back where you sowed it, but you will always get back what you've sowed. So David is in this dilemma. He says, listen, I was kind to Nabal, to his sheep. I protected them from the raiders and the marauders. Nothing he had was ever touched, and I returned everything he had, including his servants, intact. So now my men are in need. We've been on the run. We need food. Surely Nabal will return the favor. And the text picks up in verse number 7. Well, let's read verse, beginning at verse number 5. 1 Samuel 25, verse number 5. It says, David sent ten young men, and David said to the young men, Go up to Carmel, go to Nabal, and greet him 
in my name. Just so it's not, he doesn't think that these are just some random men. He said, go and tell them, David sent you. And surely my name is good for something. And so the text picks up in verse 6, and it says, And thus you shall say to him who lives, listen to what he says, Thus you shall say to him who lives in prosperity. This guy is blessed. This guy has more than enough to spare. Say to him, Peace be to you and peace to your house, and peace be to all that you have. Now I've heard that you have shearers, and your shepherds were with us, and we did not hurt them, nor was there anything missing from them. All the while they were in Carmel. Ask your young men, and they will tell you. Therefore, here's the expectation of reciprocity. I did this for you. Therefore, there is an expectation that you will return the favor. Therefore, let my young men find favor in your eyes, for we come on a feast day. You already turning up. You're already shearing all these sheep. You got all this meat. You got all this food. You're rich. I'm on the run. Surely you can spare an orange and a piece of candy. In my time of need. Notice what Peter, uh, David says. He says, please give whatever comes to your hand. I ain't asking for a whole lot. Whatever you want, you want to give me, even if it's scraps, I'll take that. David comes with humility and the law of kindness is on his lips. Verse 9 says, so when David's young men came, they spoke to Nabal according to all these words in, notice what it says, in the name of David. And then they waited. Verse 10 says, then Nabal answered David's servants and said, who is David? And who is the son of Jesse? There are many servants nowadays who break away each one from his master, meaning David tripping. You were supposed to be serving Saul and you ran away from Saul. You're a fugitive. I ain't going to have nothing to do with you. On top of that, he pretends that he doesn't even know who David is. When David is already a national hero. David at the 16 years of age was the only one who stepped up to Goliath and David is a household name. And Nabal is such a fool that he disrespects David. He's like, man, I don't even know. I'm talking to the knucklehead men in the room now. With big egos that have no room for anybody else. You're so full of yourself that you ain't got room for anything else. Honestly, oh, what I'm saying? I'm talking about men in this room with exaggerated, bloated egos that have no room to even be kind or considerate. Are you with me? There's more to this story, though. There's more to this story. Because David's servants bring word back to David. 
They were like, ooh. <laughs> David, we told the ball what you say. And this is what he said. And David said, King Kong ain't got nothing on me. He said it. Notice what David said. Verse 13. Then David said to his men, every man gird on his sword. So every man girded on his sword. And David also girded on his sword. And about, me, about 400 men went with David. And 200 stayed with the supplies. Verse 14 says, now one of the young men told Abigail. Nabal's wife saying, look, David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master, and he reviled him. He disrespected him. He didn't put respect on his name. But the men were very good to us, and we were not hurt, nor did we miss anything as long as we were accompanied by them when we were in the fields. They were a wall to us both by night and by day, all the time we were with them, keeping the sheep. Now, therefore, know and consider what you're going to do, Abigail. For harm is determined against our master and against all his household. For he is such a scoundrel that no one can speak to him. This is, how his, this is how his servants saw him. With all of his money, with all of his power, with all of his influence, his servants said, this dude is a knucklehead. And everyone around him thought that about him, but he didn't care. So how do you survive a hostile environment? Because Abigail has to survive this environment. I'm talking to people who are tethered to situations and circumstances that are both harsh and evil. And you find yourself in a hostile. How do you survive that? The truth is the boat is fine as long as the boat's in the water. The boat is in trouble when the boat allows the water to get in it. So somehow Abigail has to maintain her sense of individuality and who she is in this hostile environment. One of the hardest things to do is to be in a hard place and not allow your heart to get hardened in the process. One of the hardest skills you will acquire in life is learning not to fight fire with fire. One of the hardest skills you will learn in life is to turn the other cheek because of the words of Mahatma Gandhi, an eye for an eye makes the whole world blind. And there's some of you in this room that have become hardened by situations and circumstances because you allowed the hardness to get into you. Yet we see this contrast between a husband and wife. He's harsh and evil in all of his doings, and she's got some good sense. Are you ready for this? This is where I'm about to close, for real, for real. So the servant said, I know what you're going to do. But David got 400 men coming for us. And David has determined harm, not just against your husband, but against 
all of us. Hmm? So here she comes. <laughs> Abigail. Abigail is a boss chick, y'all. Come on, somebody. Listen, if you're married to an Abigail, thank God. Because Abigail's about to save the day, and she uses the law of kindness. Verse 18, is that where we are? Verse 18, it says, Then Abigail made haste, and she took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five sheep already dressed, five seers of roasted grain, 100 clusters of raisins, and 200 cakes of figs, and, the, and she loaded them on donkeys. And she said to her servants, Go on before me. See, I am coming after you. But she did not tell her husband Nabal or Nabal. So it was as she rode on the donkey that she went down under the cover of the hill. And there were David and his men coming down toward her, and she met him. Now David had said, surely in vain I have protected all this fellow has in the wilderness, so that nothing was missed of all that belongs to him, and he has repaid me evil for good. David was hot because he had an expectation of reciprocity. May God do so and more also to the enemies of David if I leave one male of all who belong to him by morning light. I'm going to kill them all because he disrespected me. I'm talking about two alphas. You disrespect me? Oh, yeah. I'm going to take you and your whole house out. There's more I could say about the alphas in the room. We don't realize that our inability to bend is making us break. Somebody heard that. Your inability to bend, meaning blessed are the flexible because they will bend and not break. Your inability to be flexible is costing you. And it's about to cost your whole house. Because of your inability to be considerate of others, which is kindness. Thank God for Abigails that stand in the gap on our behalf. And where, where, where are we? She said, go on before me. We're in verse 21. No, verse 22. No, verse 23. He, in verse 22, he said, I won't kill them all. In verse 23, man, this is one of my favorite action movies right here. This is like John Wick. Double tap to the head. Verse 23, now when Abigail saw David, uh, she dismounted quickly from the donkey. Hey! She fell on her face before David and bowed down to the ground. Somebody say wisdom. So she fell at his feet and said, on me, my Lord, on me let this iniquity be. And please let your maidservant speak in, come on, let your maidservant speak in your ears? It was a wrap after that. Abigail had game. It's one thing to say, let's speak face to face. Let me just. Hey, come on. She said, let me just get right here. <laughs> you know, y'all know when, when, when you, you get that, that, hey, baby. Right, right, right there on your earlobe and right there. 
Abigail knew what she was doing. The girl was bad. Let me speak in your ear, David, real quick, please. And hear the words. Listen, Abigail came out there like, like Eartha Kid Marcus. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Listen, Abigail knew what she was doing. David, let me. Not face to face. I told you I was going to finish this message, but it's the. All right, where, where are we? Where is this verse 23? Uh, let me speak in your ear. And, uh, and please speak in your ears and hear the words of your maidservant. Please let not my Lord regard this scoundrel, Nabal. Wow. She's describing the man she has made a life with. Uh, can I, may I submit to you real quick? that you ought to have some truth-tellers in your life. One of the things we say at Converge is the truth may hurt, but it will never harm. Ultimately, the truth heals. I was in a car accident in 2013. The car was totaled. Went to the chiropractor for about 18 months. Every time I went to the chiropractor and he did an adjustment on me, guess what? It hurt. It was painful. And even though it hurt, this is what I know, it didn't harm me. Ultimately, every adjustment that hurt produced healing in my body. Sometimes the truth is hard to hear. It hurts. But the truth will never harm you, even though it hurts. And if you'll be willing to listen to hard truths about yourself, maybe you'll heal. And maybe the hardness that characterized Nabal would have been dealt with. But even the servant said, you know this guy doesn't listen to nobody. Now we're all about to die. Because nobody can tell him the truth about himself. To his face. But this is how his own wife saw him. You're a scoundrel, man. Let me back off off that one. Uh, he said, don't regard this scoundrel, Nabal. For as his name is, so is he. His name means fool. And he is living up to it. Wow. Nabal is his name and folly is with him. But I, your maidservant, did not see the young men of the Lord whom you sent. Now, therefore, my Lord, as the Lord lives and your soul lives, since the Lord has held you back from coming to bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hand, now then, let your enemies and those who seek harm from my Lord be as Nabal. And now, this present which your maidservant has brought to my Lord, let it be given to the young men and follow my, who follow my Lord. Please forgive the trespass of your maidservant, for the Lord will certainly make for my Lord an enduring house. Because my Lord fights the battles of the Lord. And evil is not found in you throughout your days. Listen to me. Listen to me. She's saying this in David's ear. And may I submit to you that every man is schizophrenic. 
Ladies, you can either speak to the fool in the man or you can speak to the king in him. And whoever you speak to is what you're going to get. Nabal spoke to the fool in David. And that fool was about to kill him. Abigail spoke to the king in him. Because a man's number one need, listen to me, a man's number one need is the need for affirmation. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Even when the study was done, his needs, her needs, right? The whole idea of sexual fulfillment, that's secondary. Because even in sexual fulfillment, a man wants to be affirmed. That's why he lies in bed and says, baby, how my skill set? Y'all can laugh freely. You can... Yeah, y'all get Wendy. No, that's, that's the real thing. It, it, it ain't about... It. It's affirmation. Abigail understands that. And she affirms David. I want to say a whole bunch of stuff, man. <laughs> but I got to let y'all go. It's 1130. So I'm going to skip all the stuff I was going to say and, and close with this. This is my second closing. Oh, y'all counting for reals? <laughs> they are really counting my closings. Wow. Oh, Chuck said we always do. <laughs> Okay, let me fast forward so I can let y'all go. The reason, man, there's so much I want to say about Abigail, and I'm sure Pastor Wendy and I have talked about it, man. Uh, incredible Bible study there with the life of Abigail and her response. But there's something that the Scripture says about the Proverbs 31 woman. It says a lot of things about her, uh, that her worth is far above ruby. So she's exceptional and she's rare. But then as you read the story of the Proverbs, or the description of the Proverbs 31 woman, which, by the way, I did a whole sermon a long time ago called It Takes One to Know One. Because these are not the words of Solomon. These are the words of, who is it? It's Agar's mother. Is it Agar? It's one of them. It's Lemuel's mother. Thank you. It's the, the words of Lemuel's mother. Lemuel is the king. And Lemuel is still single. And she said, listen, before you pick a bride, this is what she should look like because it takes one to know one. And he says a woman of noble character, a virtuous woman, is hard to find. Her worth is far above rubies. And then it goes down, to, down the list, man. I mean, she buys a field and whatever she does, I forget now. But she's flipping houses, buying land. It's in the, listen, listen. Let me, let me just, <laughs> you're laughing. I'm for real. Uh, let, me, let me just read it, and, and then we're going to be out of here. I'll, I'll read it so I don't get it wrong, okay? Today we're celebrating the sisters in the building, all the boss chicks in the building, and all the ladies said, dilly, dilly. There it is. Okay, no, no, let me read it, and I promise you I'm going to let y'all go. I'm still on my third closing. So, so Proverbs 31, verse 10. 
These are the words of King Lemuel's mother. He said, who can find a virtuous wife? For her worth is far above rubies. The, here it is. Men, men, this is how you know you got a virtuous wife. This is how you know you got an Abigail. Notice what the verse says. The heart of her husband safely trusts her. Hey, this, oh, Lord Jesus, help, help Pastor Ray. I could preach. I could just stay right here. The heart of her husband safely trusts her so he will have no lack of gain. Man, this girl got my back. I don't even have to think. This is, this is a woman telling her son about the woman he should choose. He's talking about an Abigail. He do, she does him good and not evil all the days of her life. Notice what the scripture said. Verse 13, she seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands. She is like merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. She also, also rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and a portion for her maidservants. Here it is. She considers a field and buys it from, listen to what it says, from her profits. Sister got her own money. She ain't dependent on Nabal. She got her own money, got her own stacks, and it says from her profits. What does she do? She plants a vineyard. Hmm? She girds herself with strength, and she strengthens her arms. She perceives that merchandise is good, and her lamp does not go out by night. She stretches out her hand to, to the distaff, and, and her hands hold the spindle. She extends her hand to the poor, kindness. Uh, yes, she reaches out her hands to the needy, generosity. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household is clothed in scarlet. She has prepared for winter. She makes tapestry for herself. Her clothing is fine linen. And purple, her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells supplies, so on and so on. And here's what I want to land. Did I miss it? Oh, verse 26. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and on her tongue is the law of kindness. This entire message is titled, The Law of Kindness. She opens her mouth, and when she opens her mouth, what comes out of her mouth? Wisdom. And on her tongue is the law of kindness. When I did a word study on the word kindness, it is the Hebrew word chesed. It's the same word that is used in Psalm 23. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. That is chesed. It is a Hebrew word that speaks of blessing and favor. You know what it was saying about the Proverbs 31 woman, which is also true of Abigail? Her mouth is filled with chesed. Her mouth is filled with blessing. Her mouth is filled with favor, and that is the law of kindness, that you can speak blessing over people even when they're at their worst. Isn't that what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5? Bless those who curse you. Chesed. Those who despitefully use you and persecute you. The law of kindness says that I will do the right thing even when the worst has been displayed. Are y'all listening to what I'm saying? This is where I'm going to close. Four. And final. 
Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 and 45. This is the law of kindness. This is the law of hesed, where you choose as an act of your will to speak blessing and favor in places where sometimes it is not deserved. These are the words of Jesus. He said, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Here it is. Here is the law of kindness. This is said, Bless those who curse you. Eesh. Listen to me. That ain't possible unless you are connected to the source. Eh, eh, eh. Wait, wait, hold on one second. Let me try. Let me try something. Eddie, you all keys? Uh, uh, let me try this, see if it'll work. Bam. Did that light just go out? That's how most of us go through life. The light is out. And we're trying to get the light back on. The problem is we're doing everything but staying connected to the source. So this is what we do. Instead of reconnecting to the source, the spirit of God who lives in us, guess what we do? We change the light bulb. And you go to the store and you buy a whole pack of light bulbs, the light still won't come on. And then what you do is you change the lampshade. Light still ain't coming on. Because you are not connected to the source. And the ability to bless people who curse you will continue to elude you until you reconnect to the source. Man, this thing ain't going to fail on me. Don't shame Pastor Ray. Listen to me. Most of us are fighting through life. Kindness is hard when you're not connected to the source. Blessing people who have cursed you is hard when you're not connected to the source. Notice what Jesus said. Notice what Jesus said. He said, uh, he said, bless those who curse you and do good to those. Do good to those who hate you. Hold up, this guy's about to kill my husband and I can still practice the law of kindness. I bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who... You want me to pray for people who spitefully use and persecute me? Yeah. It is possible. When you accept and embrace the law of kindness and you stay connected to the source. So this is what that looks like. Proverbs 29, 11. And this is where we're going to close. Proverbs 29, 11. Are y'all with me? It says, a fool. Eesh! A fool vents all his feelings. But a wise man holds them back. I call that verse the believer's fifth amendment. You have the right to remain silent. Because anything and everything you say in this moment can and will be held against you. Notice what the scripture calls somebody. For those of us here, well, I just speak my mind. I just tell it like it is. The Bible calls that person a fool. A fool. But it says, but a wise person holds them back. And what they choose instead is the law of kindness, blessing instead of cursing.
prayer instead of persecution. I promise y'all, this is the last thing. This is my final close. No, this is the final one. I've got to say this. And here's why i got to say this. Because there are two passages of Scripture where I've lived most of my life. One of them is 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse, I mean, chapters, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 12 through 16. I've lived most of my life there. And the other place I've lived most of my life is in Romans chapter 12. Can I just read Romans chapter 12 to you? Because today, God wants us to embrace the law of kindness. To speak hesed. Blessing and favor in places where it may not be deserved. Only the Spirit of God at work in you and me can empower us to do that. So, so can I just read this? I'll just read it to you. And then they'll okay, head out to Luby's. Somebody said no, no, no to Luby's. Cracker Barrel. <laughs> Golden Corral. <laughs> oh, y'all that Papa Dose crowd, ain't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, keep playing. Keep playing. That was, that was good. That was good. Okay, I promise you, this is where I go. This is where I end. So in Romans chapter 12, this is the law of kindness. This is the, this is, this is the law of kindness. This is the, the, the choice of Hesed. Uh, notice what it says, Romans chapter 12, beginning at verse 9. Beginning at verse 1. So if the fool vents all his feelings, but the wise man holds them back, how are we supposed to live? This is where I've lived most of my life. This is the beauty of the law of kindness. Notice verse 9. It says, let love be without hypocrisy. Hey! Take what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Let love be without hypocrisy. The word hypocrisy translated there from the Greek, it, it, because, because in Bible times, uh, uh, women weren't allowed to, allowed to perform publicly. So men would play the part of women and they would wear masks. The word hypocrite comes from the idea to wear the mask. And it said, let your love be authentic and genuine without hypocrisy, without putting on a mask. And then he says, hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good, the law of kindness. He said, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. Notice what it says, in honor, giving preference to one another. Meaning, should I prefer somebody before me? Yeah. The law of kindness does that. He says, not lagging in diligence, but fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer distributing to the needs of the saints one who is given to hospitality the law of kindness verse 14 bless those who persecute you bless them and don't curse them it is a law of kindness rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep it is the law of kindness it says be of the same mind toward one another do not set your mind on high things but associate with the humble do not be wise in your own opinion because if you're wise in your own opinion, you will not consider the opinions of others. And kindness is considerate. Verse 17, repay no one evil for evil and have regard for good things in the sight of all men. Verse 18, this is the game changer. This is a game changer. Verse 18 is a game changer. 
He says, if it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. You know what that verse says? It says three things. If it is possible, that means it's not always possible. Number two, it says, as much as it depends on you, meaning if you got anything to do with it, take the high road. He says, if it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Meaning it's not always possible to live peaceably with all men. But if it depends on you, if this thing doesn't work, it shouldn't be because you were the one who was not peaceable. It is the law of kindness. I have lived most of my life in Romans 12. And this is where he closes. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves. So easy to want to do that. So easy to want to... So easy to want to take matters into your own hands. He says, listen, the only way you can do any of this is if you're connected to the source. He says, beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. Meaning, anyway, I don't want to go down that road. For vengeance is mine. God says, I will repay. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. And you know what we've always thought about this verse? Oh, yeah, man. When I'm kind to my neighbor, man, oh, it's gonna, they're going to feel something in their heart. That's not even what it's talking about. What it's talking about is Old Testament worship. That the priest would take coals of fire and put it on the incense. And the incense would rise up to heaven as a sweet-smelling savor, as an act of worship. What God is saying is, if you allow me to avenge you, I understand what I'm saying. If you feed the hungry, or if you feed your enemy when he's hungry, if you give him drink when he is thirsty, it says it's like a priest bringing coals and putting it on the altar of incense, and it rises up to me as an act of worship. Your kindness to people who have mistreated you is an act of worship to God. And then he says, do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Abigail gives us the roadmap and the blueprint to the law of kindness. There was much more I wanted to say about her specifically from the text. But Abigail was able to maintain her individuality her kindness, her good understanding, and her wisdom, even though she was connected to an evil man. And this is where the story ends. When the news came back to David, I mean to Nabal of what Abigail had done, he had a massive heart attack and died. And guess what David did? After she had been talking all voulez-vous me in his ear, <laughs> come on, <laughs> David rode up on his horse like William Wallace in Braveheart. He grabbed Abigail by the hand and put her on the horse and they rode up into the sunset. Man. <laughs> and they lived happily ever after. Some of y'all looking at me at me like that part of the story is really true. It didn't happen exactly like that. But Nabal did die. And Abigail did win. I mean, David did take Abigail home to be his wife. What am I saying? All I'm saying is, people have private battles that they're fighting every day that you and I know nothing about.
in the words of Robin Williams, be kind always. Let's pray. Father, would you seal this word in our hearts? That, Father, when we find ourselves in hostile environments, God, would you help us um, not yield to this desire to avenge ourselves, to take matters into our own hands? God, when we're surrounded by harshness and evil like, like Nabal, God, would you give us the disposition of Abigail that we can be unchanged and unbothered by what we're exposed to, that, God, we can be the thermostat, not the thermometer, the thermostat that determines the temperature of the relationship, not the th thermometer that reflects the temperature of the relationship. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. For those of us in hostile relationships and hostile environments, God, would you give us the grace that was upon Abigail, who kept the law of kindness, the law of hesed, the blessing, who saw the good in David and spoke the good that she saw in David when Nabal disrespected him. God, there's so many ways, so many contexts where this applies to our lives. But God, would you help us, like the Proverbs 31 woman, to keep the law of kindness on our lips. She opens her mouth with wisdom. And the law of kindness, the law of hesed, the law of blessing and favor is upon her lips. We trust you to do that, Father. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen and amen. Did I help anybody this morning? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Listen. We appreciate you. Um, you may stand uh, as we're dismissed. Listen, remember, remember, ConvergeNet is a week from today. So next Sunday, ConvergeNet immediately following uh, the worship experience. We do have a guest speaker, Pastor Ken Bennett, who is not only a pastor but also a very successful entrepreneur, will be our keynote for that event. And uh, it's going to be an incredible talk. Make sure if you signed up and you registered, make sure you go online and pay for uh, the meal so we'll have our final headcount. And then again, thank you so much for your ongoing generosity. Above all things, uh, we're going to be partnering with Above All Things for the Backpack to School Drive. And let me say this, uh, last year, we got the 500 backpacks, uh, and I think we had about uh, 25 leftover. There was a church in West Texas that heard about what we were doing. We were able to send backpacks to, to them as well to be a blessing uh, to kids there in that community who needed supplies. So again, your reach extends beyond what we do in this community. You make it possible. We'll have some more details about the logistics uh, concerning that. So Lord, we pray that you would bless us and keep us. Watch over us, God, as we come and as we go. That your countenance, Father, would turn toward us. That you would be gracious toward us. And God, you would grant your people peace this weekend. And God, in all that we do, I pray that we would embrace the law of kindness. That no act of kindness, no matter how small, is insignificant. All of it matters. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen and amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week. If you were impacted by today's worship experience, we'd love to hear from you. Maybe today's sermon is exactly what you needed to hear, or you prayed the prayer of salvation for the first time. If so, we'd love to send you information on how to kickstart your relationship with God. Or if you'd like information about how to join our virtual family, email us at echurch at weareconverged.com. If you'd like to partner with us financially, you can do so online safely and securely at www.weareconverged.com forward slash give. 
He could also give via text. Simply text Converge Give and the dollar amount that you'd like to give to 77977. You can also find all of this information in our mobile app. Simply go to your app or Play Store, search for Converge Church Plano and download the app. It's that simple. Again, thank you so much for joining us for today's worship experience and we look forward to staying connected with you.